One, two, three, four. And welcome to another edition of Laid on the Table, the Southern Board Game Podcast with the accent on Southern. As usual, I am one of your hosts, Joe Mahaffey. And I'm your other host, James Engelhart, here on a lovely Sunday morning. Yes, it is. It is. It's finally, the fall weather is finally coming in, and I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, lower temperatures, Absolutely. lower humidity. Uh, and today we have an opportunity just to talk about board games. Uh, which is great. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody that coming up on the weekend of November 10th through the 12th is Mythicon. Uh, that'll be at the Hilton Charlotte University Place. You can find uh, a links to tickets in the show notes below. James and I are planning on being there, walking around, maybe running a game or two and doing some interviews. So we look forward to seeing you there the weekend of November 10th. I am booked. I've got my, I see that the pre-registration badges are closed, but I've got mine already. So I'm pretty excited to see people there. Well, then you beat me to it. I'm going to have to give Richard a call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, um, you know, we've, we've passed several times we've been together. We've had opportunities to talk to different folks and sort of what's going on in the world uh, of, um, you know, different de designers or different folks that have been to conferences and stuff like that. And it's been a while since we've just been around to talk about games. And I know that there's a lot of stuff going on in the game world, James, particularly with um, Spiel Essen. Uh, yes. So let's sort of talk about that. Sure, yeah. So Essen starts uh, this week. I think it starts uh, like Friday, Thursday, Friday, something like this. Um, probably, it probably depends. I mean, I think, I guess if you're an exhibitor and you're, you know, meeting people, you're getting there probably what Tuesday or Wednesday to make sure everything's there and get set up and try to do what you can about um, uh, jet lag before you have to go and meet thousands and thousands of people. And of course, uh, Essenspiel is the big mother, father, you know, Norse gods of, um, you know, tabletop gaming in this hobby. So right, uh, they right. expect hundreds of thousands of people there. It'll be amazing. That's awesome. And yeah. um, it is in Germany, but where? In Essen. Hey, Essen. Okay. yeah, Just downtown Essen. So um, lovely industrial city in uh germany there so you can find your way over there and hang that was, out that was more for the listeners ah uh, yes uh <laughs> and they are let's see there's they're up to the list on board game geek you can go and see um i mean not every publisher puts their games up here but they've got at least 1200 uh 1217 is what it shows here so a lot of different games to keep an eye on to look for um and I've been looking through as many as I could trying to get a sense of things. And yeah, it looks like we are still the, we're still in the world of uh roll and write games. There's a lot of those coming out and trick taking games are still very popular. It seems like. So that pattern seems to keep rolling along, if you will. Well, and it's nice too. When I look at this list to see some games that I've, that have been backed on Kickstarter, like I oh, see yeah. the age of innovation. I see the Fox experiment, um, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of things on this list that we're excited to see come out. So it's, it's just nice to everybody's focused on this particular, particular event. Is there, is there anything in particular that you're excited about that caught your eye? You know, uh, age of innovation, you just mentioned, right. Uh, I'm the sort of new version of terraform of, um, no Terra Mystica. So that's really interesting. I think, um, Arborea looks like a big, heavy, fun, and sort of intense Euro with lots of interesting um mechanisms that there's a sliding where you can you, a piece slides along before you decide which path it's going to go down so i don't know exactly how that's going to work but it looks amazing uh forest shuffle um is a i love my multi-use cards and tableau builders and so it does a bit of both and it's uh, aggressively um eco-friendly so you can, you know, if you don't like the game, you can compost it or uh, recycle <laughs> the whole thing. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, there's a couple of, um, I mean, there's a, oh, so many, so many things that look interesting <laughs> coming out. I mean, uh, I was thinking about uh, our interview with uh, Jamie Stegmeier the other day when I saw Apiary get released. And I thought that was the box that was probably sitting next to him that he was <laughs> like, oh, this is the big game that we're going to have for the uh you know, Q4 and, right. and so, and Laura has gotten into um, beekeeping recently, really interested in it. So I'm like, okay, 
we've got to have all of that. Think about that. Um, there's a couple of um, a couple of beer themed ones that I thought was interesting. There is Bar Pig, the Great Festival. I have no idea, but that is, but it'll be interesting. And Beer Pioneer. I have a lot of beer and things to talk about too. I um, see that. Yeah, I, I, I'm still so, I'm, I'm still trying yeah. to process that somebody might actually not like a game so much that they would compost it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to get my brain around that. If so. you have to, yeah, yeah. As opposed <laughs> to setting it on fire, I guess. Uh, there's a new version of Kalimala coming out. There's the new Cascadia. Um, there's a cat horror movie festival game. I don't know what that's about. There's even a new edition of Carcassonne. There is. I saw that was on the list. There's a new version of, let's see, we did Kalimala. Um, uh, uh, Zuloretto has a new uh update coming out as well so and i noticed that uh, and darwin's, darwin's journey is coming yeah. to shelves so yep <laughs> yeah i saw that i was i was just noticing that myself we love that yep. game that's a great game yeah and I'm, I'm there's uh for those of you who are interested in uh, old testament stuff there's an ezra and nehemiah game coming out which looks pretty good and has i don't know if you've if you're keyed into that then that's a well, thing I, to look at that is something i am keyed into so i'll have to check that one out yeah man i also noticed that right just before that on the list is uh everdell farshore and i gotta tell you mm-hmm. um it, it i i'm i got i got all the everdell i got i think i'm yeah i think i'm good i don't need any more yeah We're yeah sad. i know it, it sure has people really statement. like it and i think it's it's a standalone so but yeah, yeah there's a lot more going on there uh and there's I mean, there's a lot of fun. There's uh, some fun party games. There's this fiction game that's, um, I guess, the secret word from classic literature that looks like that could be fun. Um, there's a couple of newspaper games coming out. So Fit to Print is one of them with starring uh, woodland animals. So Grandpa, what's be... a newspaper? There you go. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Yeah. There's, I mean, there's just, uh, there's a couple of um, polyomino games that kind of get a little more abstracted that are just like, here's, here you get them. And it's almost feels like, um, you know, Tetris, the board game again. So, you know, polyomino games are great. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I find that people that really get into puzzles really like that. I mean, uh, I'll, yep. we'll talk about it a little bit later, but Dale and I finally started playing Race to the Raft, which has got that uh, feel to it. Um, you know. Awesome. City of Kings, they are uh, City of Kings games. They love to do the polyominals, but there are a lot of others out there that do that as well. And so um, it's very satisfying for those puzzle people. Yeah. Oh, no, it absolutely is. And, you know, Laura and I love to sit down and play uh, Patchwork. It's, you know, pretty straightforward. I'm yeah. trying to get her to play Spring Meadow. Um, that should be interesting, too. Um, so but here coming out, we've got this is this is one that just struck my fancy because it's hegemony lead your class to victory so it's about sort of marxist struggles i guess in europe okay by vangelis uh and varnabas to so i'm guessing very greek in their vibe um oh and there's a new version of hey that's my fish as well um so that's always good uh there's a another um sort of uh Arctic themed game, Eluliak. So I don't know what that's going to be about, but I'm always interested in things that seem Alaskan or far north. So that'll be interesting. So I'm curious as we look yes, as, you, as you look at this list. I mean, you know, we, mm-hmm. we we see some things that are some known properties. Um, we see some things that are known publishers, you know, and we even see some things that might even be another edition or another version of the story or an add on to the story. Is there anything that caught your eye that is like new, that could be a breakout one hit wonder or breakout new kid on the block? Like, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about Flamecraft a lot last year as sort of this unexpected game. And even that had some, you know, pedigree to it. I just kind of wonder, is there anything that kind of, catches your attention that is like from a designer that you've never heard of before or somebody that just appears to be new. Well, the, um, going sort of back up to the top, uh, forest truffle, um, is, I think it's a small box. It's a, um, intriguing 
Tableau Builder, and I think it's going to have uh, that kind of. I mean, I look at games we know, and kind of I like the work that they bring. I do not who know who Kosh is, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know if this is like a first. Let's find out. Um, this is their maybe their second game, so uh, I think that'll be one to look for. I think some of the ways that Arborea moves uh, your workers around, I think it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are a couple that I'm really interested in. Um, I want to see, I mean, I'm a big, big fan of Terra Mystica, and so I'm interested to see how that uh, new version comes together. Uh, it promises to do really good stuff. Um, so... That makes me happy. Makes me happy. Um, yeah. So and, those are a couple reason, of those. Yeah. And the reason I ask the question is that sometimes we find ourselves, you know, you get a game, and the mechanic of the game is like another game, but it's just reskinned. Yeah. And then yep. you realize, well, I like the original better, and you kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not suggesting that that's the case here. I'm just kind of wondering if there's something that kind of caught your attention as something new and fresh and and all that so i mean it's it's hard to find things that are entirely new right um it's like, just like mancala for example right <laughs> it's, it just keeps coming back yeah. um and so what i'm looking for more are sort of thematic interests or um how people put these things together you know um yeah. So the way that forest shuffle works, you know, you, you've got animals that could go in the, you're playing a tree down and you've got animals that can live in the top of the tree, animals that live in the side of the tree, animal, you know, things that live under the tree, you know, so you've got, um, you're building a little ecosystem. They're all built around those, um, you know, what the thing can do is where it goes. And then, sure. and I just like the way that that's kind of happening. Uh, there's one called Sky Team, which is a, I've heard a couple of the people talk about, which is, um, I think it's a dice manipulation sort of a game, but you're working together as a pilot and co-pilot, a two-player only, mm-hmm. to like move ailerons and move, you know, so land a plane together. So I think that sounds like fun. Yes. I'm waiting for autopilot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from airplane auto auto the autopilot yes 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 that's funny yeah so i i'm just yeah i I appreciate you kind of giving the perspective on that because i think you know there's this can be when you look at this and obviously we're gonna have links to these games uh in the show notes below but you can go to bgg and you can see the full list of uh, spiel lesson for 2023 Mm -hmm. and um i mean there's a lot here i mean it can be very overwhelming when you're kind of looking through it now there are some some things like i said that we've seen before or that are in Kickstarter mode. Like I see Hamlet mm-hmm. by the lake here is in Kickstarter mode. Yep. Um, and a few others. And so um, it's just going to be, it's just sort of nice to see that um, they're going to be at, 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 at uh, SpielS and just because, you know, sometimes you back a Kickstarter and you're like, is this really going to show up? Yeah. <laughs> and is it going to show up in the, in the broader um, marketplace as well? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, it's interesting. Like I noticed on here is a, the obsession German edition. Mm-hmm. And after yep. talking to Dan last time about, you know, how he's kind of, you know, a one man show, so to speak, getting these things into the ecosphere um, is uh, is part of that. And you see he's got a publisher, Stroman Games, helping him mm-hmm. with that in yep. Germany. And so it's just nice to see that because that's a game that's, you know, keeps on, you know, trudging forward. Um, yep. No, I, I was I was seeing it because I wanted to mention that he's yeah he's going into all these different countries at this point so that's very cool to see that showing up yeah 100 percent. well cool this is like there's this weird one coming out the strange forgeries of of mr sc raber um which looks like it's kind of supposed to be sort of a party game but it's kind of also sort of intense where you're trying to figure out who is doing what art forgeries and there's a serial killer kind of in the center of it. So, um, yeah, that's I, one I, that I thought, well, that's a weird set of things. I'm the guy doing the stick figures that are being placed on your refrigerator. Just so you know. 
there it is. That's yeah. me. And then things I'm like, did terraforming Mars the dice game need to happen? I don't know, but it's it's happening. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that's you know, you look at all some of these brands and you see people recycling certain things and and that are just about the the brand itself. And and that one kind of struck yeah. me in the same way. And um, I don't know. It's just well, and so it's kind of a fun. So I'm looking at the re implementation of the new version of Zilretta that's coming out. And I thought, well, this is sort of inevitable, right? It won the Spiel des Jahres several years ago. Um, it's a fantastic, you know, 2007, I guess, a fantastic game. And all of a sudden there's all these zoo games that have come out. And I'm sure that Michael Schacht and his publisher uh, were thinking, Abaka Spiele, you know what? We've got this. It had a couple of critiques back when it first came out, but we can brush this off, fluff it up a bit, and whoosh, see what we can do with the new uh, audience. Who you know, two thousand sevens, a you know, there's a whole bunch more people into the hobby than were that back then, and but we could uh, get some traction with this. So it's all it's like, a, it's almost yeah. like since there's a popular bird game, we should put out a bird game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Or better yet, we should just get all of our fans of the bird game to make their own versions of the cards, and let's republish the cards with fan art. Oh, wait, never mind. That's been done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that seems familiar somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, lots of good stuff. Lots of interesting things to watch for. Um, yeah. And it's, I, I don't know, I think there's going to be some good stuff. There's some good, good heavy stuff coming out and some just all the wonderful weirdness that people are like, yeah, let's make a game about mimic octopi. Well, I think it'll be interesting because I think it'll it'll give us a lot of things to talk about over the year ahead because I'm sure between you and me, uh, and anybody that we bring on, um, we will find these games on our table. Like I know for yep. a fact that uh, the Fox experiment will end up on my table as well yep. as the age of innovation. And so hopefully we can uh, talk about those and, uh, mm-hmm. and others. So, um, and I know forest truffles are definitely going to be coming to my table as well. So ah, excellent. Yep. Yeah. Alrighty then. So one other new thing that's happening these days is the Zenobia Awards. I wanted to uh, touch on that briefly because that's really exciting and important. So two years ago, um, the Zenobia Awards kicked off. They're a long process, these Zenobia Awards. It is a competition, as it says on their website, and mentoring program for game designers designers from underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you develop and then submit historical uh, tabletop games. And it goes through a couple of different rounds. The 2021 um, started off with 150 applicants. They whittled it down to 46 proposals, eight finalists, and then they had three winners. But I was listening to an interview, and I think all eight of those finalists have gotten uh, publication contracts um, elsewhere. So That's awesome. Really exciting. Um, it opened today, and it runs, I think, for about two weeks, a month, something like that. So that's something that I think is really excited to keep an eye on. Well, when I saw this in your, in your list, it, it really caught my attention. And I think, you know, why tell me more, you and I actually went to college with somebody named Zenobia. I, I thought you were going to go there, but I and, wasn't, I wasn't, and sure. I, yeah, okay. I, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I sort of did a double. It's, double yeah. it's not a very common name. It's, it is in, not, at least in true. our yep. culture. It is not. So yep. it may be common elsewhere, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was the first thing I thought of. I don't know how ironic that is. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I look at, and I think that's the thing, uh, you know, there's, I don't care what it is, you know, music, software, game design, you know, there, there's a lot of creative folks out there, um, that deserve an opportunity for their work to be seen, heard, experienced. And so it's, I'm glad to see that there's, you know, as we sort of talked about last time, how, you know, the, um, the crowdsourcing platforms have really sucked a lot of the air out of the room from any kind of entrepreneurial approach because of how design, uh, publishers will use that as sort of a right. pre-order mechanism. Um, it's nice to know that there's other ways that people are, are advocating for different types of um, design communities to get their work shown. And I think that yep. that's, that's going to be an important part of, um, you know, how we move things forward, because I think a lot of those um, platforms are, are, you know, they get addicted to the dollars um, that come with the mm-hmm. higher profile pieces, and that becomes a bit more restrictive. Uh, we're seeing that with other platforms like Patreon and, and others that, um, you know, have similar 
challenges. And so um, there is a movement more and more through um, direct um, direct supporting mechanisms. Yep. Uh, we're seeing it in other places like with influencers and, and, and folks like that. I'm curious to see how that will eventually permeate its way down into this hobby. Well, we'll see. Yeah. That's true. But anywho, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of stuff going on in the industry, big time of year. So we'll see mm-hmm. if the news comes out of that and we'll have a lot to talk about there, I'm sure. Uh, I hope so. But in the meantime, um, you know, it's all about what's been on our table. Um, normally I let you go first, um, but since I don't have a ton to talk about, I might go first since we've Do really, it, man. Yeah, go for it. It's been a hot minute since we've talked about games. I think the last yes. time we had an opportunity to talk about what was on our table. We still had Scythe out there. In fact, um, was able to finally get Scythe into the game store with uh, a couple that we hang out with there and a friend of mine who'd been wanting to learn Scythe. So we had a four player game going. Um, I was actually able to 3d print uh, a factory that uh, we put on the table. So that kind of made it interesting as from an aesthetic point of view, we had a lot of people coming by the table as we were playing. And then, um, and I had also done the 3D print on how to put all the scythe things into the big box Ah, that I had shared earlier. And um, so we we were able to do that, and that was cool. And um, so, yeah, that was um, that was kind of neat. And then uh, once we finally put scythe away, which we did eventually, uh, (laughs) Dale and I got out boop, you know. Which is adorable. Which is absolutely adorable. So we we got the boop out and we played boop and we played boop and we played boop and we played boop some more. Played the boop and I um, decided that I needed a um, an ability to pack boop up more succinctly. So I actually have designed the boop board game insert, and it is That's available awesome. for free. Download the link in the show notes below. You can find it on Thingiverse. Um, and I did it in three parts so that each person kind of put their cats and kittens in their own little container. And then I have the, the piece in the middle that is sort of the, the bridge, if you will, that's got the word boop on it as close to the logo as I could get it. And then somebody else had made 3d printable boop, uh, caricatures because the game was evidently hard to find. So the guy just did this. And unfortunately, um, they weren't to scale because I tried to use them in a different way to kind of give each person their own little hole. But I did use them as imprints, and so I gave him credit for his work. Uh, or they, their, them, their credit, I don't, honestly don't know. Um, in, okay. in my um, uh, creative comments. So oh, that looks that. great, man. Yeah, so that was I'm looking at the whole three pieces there. That looks fantastic. Yeah, and it fits in the box perfectly, and you put your uh, little... Uh, um, quilt on top of it and it holds it nice in place and so it was uh it was a fun thing it was the first thing i'd ever designed um and created myself as as something i'm going to 3d print and i did it in such a way that um it minimizes your um your pla usage Ah, so the filling so it's a little thinner on the inside you could probably crush it with your hands but (laughs) you always have the ability to change so don't lean on it yeah we have the ability to change that in the 3D print world, but uh, but yeah, I was pretty proud of that. That's awesome. It looks fantastic too. Well, thank and you. I love those kind of inserts where you can just take them out and then you're just good to go. Well, yeah, and that was the thing I was, you know, my favorite thing is when an insert helps you get the game on the table very quickly. Mm-hmm. And because this is a game that's two player and each person has their cats and kittens, you just take your tray and you're ready to go. Flip the yep. board over and, and all is well. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, that was my uh, my creative work there for the week, and then um, then we finally got out race for the raft, and that Ooh. is the latest version or the latest addition to the Isle of Cats um, uh, world, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, these are the cats that you didn't quite get off the island before um, before he gets there. Yeah, and so. Um, the island is on fire, and you're trying okay. to get and you're trying to get the cats to the raft before the fire prevents you from doing so. So it's kind of a co-op. You're working together. Um, ah, okay, good, good. And the thing is, uh, now when Dale and I play it as a two-player game, 
we're following the rules, but there is a rule that says you use more code words than not. And we just haven't quite gotten to that level because we, I mean, we're not like saying I have this, do you have that? That's against the rules, but we are kind of implying um, our abilities without following it exactly to the letter as it's written in the rules. Now, when we were to play, if we were to play with more than just the two of us, we would gladly follow those rules. But honestly, it's just too much to remember while we're hanging out and just using the game time for fellowship, really. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, we've enjoyed the game, and it and it's it's almost it's campaign like. So there's a book, and so you kind of do uh-huh. the easier versions, and then you turn the page, and then you set the set the game up. So the way it's set up is the colors of the cats, the numbers of the cats, the cats where the fire is can change from uh, module to module. Okay. And so it can be, so you kind of check them off as you go. That's awesome. And, um, and it gets a little complex because you got to think through your pathways because in some instances, let's say you have a goal, um, an orange cat and a blue cat. In some instances, you may have to get your blue cat from the the left side to the right side before you can bring your orange cat down because their pathways are going to overlap and potentially block somebody. Okay. And prevent them from getting there. And then there's also certain pathways that your cat has to get on the raft. Like the blue cat must come in from the north whereas the orange cat must come in from the west to the okay. raft and so it's it, it can get it can get pretty complex the further you go and it's kind of like it, it, the only way I, I can think about it is you know how in pac-man every every level gets harder and harder and harder but you're kind of doing the same sort of thing it's a lot mm-hmm. like it's a lot like that i mean it's like you're okay. moving up in skill and so the, the complexity of it is getting hard and of course Every time, you know, there there's certain triggers that make the fire increase, and the fire are all, wait for it, polyominals that you were putting <laughs> all over this thing, and and the 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 board can change, um, dramatically. So I mean, the thought yeah. behind it is absolutely amazing, um, but it takes a little uh, takes a little thought as you kind of look at it and go, oh, because the first one was like, wow, that was pretty easy. We we beat so far, we have Ooh. beaten the fire. We have yet to okay. lose to the fire, but my sense is that's going to change very quickly because as it gets more complex and it's easy to, to miss something and the fire can all of a sudden cut off one of your, and then once one of your cats is cut off, Ooh. you're done. The game's over. Ah, uh, okay. You, you don't get to, you either rescue them all or you lose. Okay. So anyway, fun okay. game. Uh, it's, right. it's, it's, it's great because it, it starts out easy and then you can kind of work your way up. And then of course, if you have somebody new to the game, you can go back and start over, you know, and it's, um, it's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that is, um, that is the, the game. Oh, and, and the other video game, um, tie in yes. is you have four decks of cards. One has an X, one has a square, one has a triangle and one has a zero or no. Just like the, uh, uh, I guess that's the PlayStation controller. Yeah, the controller. Yeah, yeah that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> so, oh, that's, that's awesome. So that's the, that's another kind of homage to the to the video game um, aspects of it. I should, yeah. Anyway, awesome. So those are uh, those are the main things that have been on our table. We uh, we've had a lot going on, uh, so yeah. we haven't got. We were hoping to get something out. We thought we'd play Obsession since the last time we were together, but that didn't happen. Um, we thought we were going to get car- one of the carcassones out on the table when um, my daughter was here this weekend, but uh, that didn't happen either. So maybe today we'll get something out. That's that's yeah. the plan. We, we um, my oldest daughter had a birthday this weekend. She was in town. Happy birthday! We thought we would get something out on the table, uh, and they went to the mall instead. Okay. No, the mall is nice. So. Okay. Yeah, so um, we had, for a while, we were playing a lot of, or a fair bit of beer and bread. Yeah. So this is uh, Scott Alms from 2022, so it's still, either it's a two-player only, so it fits, you know, it's fantastic if you've got two players, which we do. 
Um, it also, so this is Scott Alms, you, who might be familiar from the Tiny Epic series. Oh, yeah. Uh, Heroes, yeah, Heroes of Air, Land, and Sea, and a bunch of other stuff. So, and uh, this, as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite things, multi-use cards. Uh, and so you can use the card to either um, sort of give you bonuses as you go, or you can play them as the resources, or you can fulfill the recipe that's on them and, you know, play them as either beer or bread. Uh, what's interesting about this, or one of the things that's interesting besides the, the multi-use cards, which always gives you, I think, really great uh, decision spaces, right? Really like, I really like this recipe. I need this to fulfill this other thing. Oh, but it also gives me the resources that I need for this other card. Oh, but then this one has such great. Yeah. So yours so has a lovely moment of that. Um, and then there's an interesting pattern of how the cards sort of weave back and forth. So every other turn you pass your hands back and forth. So you get a certain number of cards to start out with, and then you play one pass, play one pass. They come back into your hand. Then you don't pass them back and forth, but you can trade them with a sort of a neutral market on the board. And so it's interesting to watch the way the cards move back and forth and trying to figure out which cards you could keep, which ones you hope will come back to you, which ones you will hate draft because you know that you can't give, you know, the person across the table for you that card because they're going to score something huge. So it's super fun for that. It goes, man, I want to say we were doing a whole, going through a whole game in like 20 minutes when we were really had the rhythm going. Um, so that's that was a super fun one that we liked. Um, you know, it's funny. I keep a stack of of game trade magazines that I pick up from the store, and and this this ooh. this cover this game has been on the cover since February of earlier this year, and it's always on the top <laughs> of my stack. So I see it all the time. Oh, but, I I, but I didn't know anything about the game other than what was in the obviously was in the article, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't read it since February. Um, well, it, yeah, it goes really quick. It's a nice nice quick play. Yeah, nice. I'll have to check With it out. Some, yeah, 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 sure. And it's got really, I mean, the, uh, it has that sort of um, inevitable Euro sort of brownness to it. So that's kind of bad. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, it's beer and bread. I guess they're both kind of brown. Oh, well. Um, so, you know, if you like UPS trucks, this is definitely the, the aesthetic for you. There you go. Um, I don't think I managed to talk about Concordia in any depth last time. Yeah, we, we kind of had a, a bit of a, a drop there, yeah. Okay. So, um, play Concordia at the game night. Um, this is a 2013 Kennerspiel nominee by Matt Gertz. It's a super good game. Uh, I don't... I mean, the, the maps change, so it might play well with two players on the smaller map, but it was really good to play this with, like, three. Um, and I think three or four would probably be the sweet spot. It plays up to five, I think, but I... I can't imagine that would be a really great experience. Um, Matt Gertz is famous for doing rondelles. Here the rondelle is a small deck of cards, and you get to buy some more. Uh, and I love the, the simplicity of on a turn, you play one card. That's it. But that card will only let you do one thing. So you can't move and get a resource. Moving is one card. Resources are different cards. Gotcha. And th that happened to us at the table. We're like, okay, so I'm going to move here and get them. Like, nope. No, you don't. It's like, damn it. Okay. So um, you have to think a couple of turns in advance. And unlike something like um, Century Golem Edition or Century Spice Road, when you have to take your cards back into your hand, you also get sort of resources when you do that. So it's not just uh, wasting a turn to pick stuff up. Nice. Yeah. Um, also, I just, and it has a million different versions of it out there now. Um, and it's a beloved game. I don't need to talk about it too much more because it's, you can go and find a thousand different ways to play it. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, and I think it's, yeah. important. I think it's important though, that, you know, people know that there are legacy games out there that have been around for a while. And the reason they're still around and they're playable is because they stand the test of time. Yep. You know, and I it's mean, really slick and sleek. It's, it's not overloaded with a bunch of stuff. It's nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, unlike uh, the next one I want to talk about is heaven and ale because why not beer? Sure. Uh, so this is um, Michael Keith Kiesling and Andreas Schmidt from 2017, so a couple of years ago. Um, and you are monks making beer, hence heaven and ale. <laughs> uh, so it's awesome. This is my favorite kind of monks, the ones that are making beer. Um, we've got, 
it's an, and it's a nice game. It's got a shared board with resources for purchase, monks for hire, and then a couple of scoring options. And then on your personal board, you've got uh, these hexes. There's a uh, there's a dark side and a white and a light side. Make your no. There's a shady side and a sunny side, um, and you get different things based on where you put those resources. Uh, they earn you money and move the brewmaster depending on what they're doing. Uh, you have a resource tracker up along the side, um, and you just have a number of rounds based on the number of players that you've got. You play through the rounds that are there going around that track and trying to put things in the right place. Um, there's a funky little scoring dance when what you're trying to do is move as much as you can up those tracks and get your brewmaster as far, and then there's a multiplier. It gets sort of a little weird, but it's uh, it takes a second. Uh, and there's some little smaller skull, uh, goals that you can achieve as you go around. But... It's it's one of those games where there's a you once you wrap your mind around the terminology and the iconography and try to figure out how the systems interact, and you think, oh, I should play this entirely differently next time, and so I like that moment of like, okay, we've got a lot of a lot of space to keep um, exploring here. So really looking forward to playing more of Heaven and Ale. That's awesome. I've seen it, uh, just never heard anybody talk about it. So that, that sounds uh, sounds pretty intriguing. It is, and unlike the uh, beer and bread, it has a very colorful um, cover. So, well, my 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 beer story from the weekend was Ooh, yeah. uh, yesterday. Um, I got out on my bike ride, and I put in at the James K. Polk uh, Historic House, which is on the Little Sugar Creek Greenway here in Charlotte, Pineville area, and right next door is the Waldhorn German Restaurant. Yeah, very popular spot. Um, it is October, so it is now in Oktoberfest mode. Um, as I got on my bike ride, I got maybe a mile away from the James K. Polk, headed north away from the Waldhorn. And I mean a pack of bicyclists. I mean, like, this must have been like 20-some-odd bicyclists. Wow, okay. Uh, dressed in German dresses and Lederhosen. Um, <laughs> we're headed south. Oh, man. And I was like, okay. And I went all the way up to Noda, so about 15 miles away. And then I turned around and came back. As I was getting close to being back at the James K. Polk, I was encountering the same pack of 20 bicyclists. The difference is, (laughs) while I was riding north, my sense is they went to the Waldhorn had a few beers uh-huh. and got back on the bike. And I was awesome. like, ooh. <laughs> I pull Sounds over? very German. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, uh, that was funny. It was like, uh, oh, wow. Okay, sure. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but it was, what was great was the the Lederhose and the German dresses and the, the you know, the whole Heidi pigtails mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. It was pretty funny. Has nothing to do with board games, but it was very close to Carolina Tabletop Games. Hey, not, there you go. Not, not a sponsor. <laughs> which by the way it is uh extra life weekend we should be calling that out and there is a lot of extra oh. life activity going on at the game store this weekend um i'm kind of staying low out of the public eye uh because we've got a wedding next week and there's been oh. a bit of a spikiness in covid and i'm just oh, uh, yeah. not trying to put myself at risk unnecessarily so i will be skipping uh the extra life festivities uh, but they do have a really cool a uh, bunch of things going on up there, um, some giveaways and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that aren't at game stores, you've got a bunch of uh, Kickstarter stuff. Why don't we skip on down to that? And yes. what have you got here with this so, modular thing? Yeah, well, but that's my 3D print uh, kind of fetish thing going on there. Fetish is probably not the right word there, but we're going to leave it. Yeah. Uh, we'll just not <laughs> let that be unpacked in an odd way. Uh, interest. We'll call that interest. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I saw this. I had um I had almost backed uh, a Kickstarter from these guys last uh, earlier this summer. Okay. That was more like display cases, you know, that you could put around your house. You could like hang a three D, ah. you know, a display case, and you'd have the mini works that you did and display them. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really need that because sure. I mean, the minis that I do, I'm not going to like, you know, put all over my house for people to see. Um, but this one was interesting because I'm always looking for modular storage for the minis and this allows you to basically print 
that and a couple of different options. There's like a small, medium, large, extra large, mm -hmm. you know, depending upon how much PLA you're willing to invest. Um, and I kind of like this because then I could begin to think about, okay, this is the pirate stuff and this is the, the D and D right. stuff. And so I thought that would be interesting and it wasn't that expensive to back. Mm -mm. So I like 270 miniatures. That's a lot of, uh, yeah. yeah in the, big, in the big box. Yeah. And plus you yeah. can, uh, you know, they have the different, um, way you can do it modularly. So if that you have a really large mini or a large print, like some of these, you know, I don't care if you're doing D and D or if you're doing Warhammer or you're doing something else, there's, there's certain ones of different right. size. And I just thought that, you know, although, you know, like, uh, Feldherr, which I think is the, one of the more popular, I probably didn't say that right. One of the more popular storage cases that you can get on Amazon, okay. they generally cater to like these, these, you know, cushiony inserts for 28 millimeter. Right. This gives you a little bit more versatility and mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it ties the, the hobby to the 3d print, which I thought was pretty cool. No, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, up beyond that is, um, canopy evergreen. I backed that. It's, uh, it is, a, an, a it's not really an expansion as much as it is a sequel Okay. to canopy. And we like canopy a lot. We like the designer. We like the aesthetic. Thought this was a nice, um, addition. This is a much larger box, therefore a larger game. Uh, whereas okay. canopy is a very small box cards kind of thing. Um, but we enjoy the game and thought this would be a nice, uh, Nice add-on to that. So um, nice. something in the in the world of Canopy without being an ad, uh, an expansion, which, you know, it's one of those things where, and I think the next one kind of ties into that. You know, in some instances, we get some of these expansions in the add-on, and, and then Dale looks at me and goes, you know, I just like the base game. <laughs> well, and this one has a bunch of uh, fun bits and uh, shared right. board and all kinds of stuff, so. Right. So we thought that was kind of intriguing. And then... Um, this other one on the list just literally showed up uh, yesterday. Uh, we had gotten Oceans, uh, not through the Kickstarter uh. originally. Um, there was a, a lady who had gotten the Kickstarter editions, had gotten like three of them and didn't, and, and basically offered them to uh, my friendly local game store. And I just happened to be on the Facebook chat when the question came around. And I was like, I, 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 I messaged him on the side. If you get these, I will buy one. Cool. And so uh, we got the original Oceans from the Kickstarter edition, had played it at the Vaulthorn, which is where Queen City Games meets uh, once a month. Okay. Uh, so there's a gaming group that meets over at the Vaulthorn, uh, same place that I mentioned earlier with the beer. So I guess there is a game tie-in. Tie beers, there it is. beers, bikes, and games. There you anyway, go. Um, and so this is, a, this is an add-on to that where you add some of the more mystical sea creatures as well as a solo mode. And so we backed this and it showed up today with a, a new box to put everything in. So it's all in one box. Nice. So that was kind of neat to see show up. So yeah. um, that is my, my, my backed and or delivered uh, list. Yeah. I've, I've sort of taken a step back from a lot of the, the Kickstarter stuff. Number one, because it's, it's easy to just get sucked in. I think I, t I mentioned the last time I, I see that you, yeah. You know, we're intrigued by by Harvest, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. I felt really, sure. really weird about that. But uh, but yeah, so those are some of the ones that I'm uh, either have backed or paying it to or have arrived. And, I, and from what I understand, I keep getting updates. Uh, Zoo Tycoon is, you remember we talked about that a long time ago, thinking, I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm going to back it. And then I backed it. Um, it's allegedly on, uh, it's, it's allegedly in the country somewhere. Okay which should be it's showing up soon. So hopefully I'll be able to talk about that um, soon and compare and contrast to uh, all the other zoo games. That we <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a zoo kind of time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of animals. Um, so the ones that I've got here, I was looking at, I got a little email, you know, from BGG and we'll sign up to get all kinds of notifications for and, sure. Uh, newsletters from them. And, it had, uh, you know, Kickstarters for Perch, Flock Together, and Harvest, and then another one later for Peacemakers. Okay. And these are all animal-themed games. And then, of course, Apiary is coming out, which is kind of a 4 xy sort of thing off in the science fiction future of hyper-intelligent uh, bees uh, taking over. 
And I just, I was struck by how many games we've got coming out. And if you go through that SN list, you'll see a, a yeah. even far more of these that are sort of animal-centric. And um, I have noticed, I was just thinking, you know, there's a bunch of um, sort of modern classic, contemporary classic games that got called out for a lot of colonialist tendencies, and they still are, and there's a big conversation around that. And I'm noticing that one of the ways that publishers are, and designers, but probably publishers, are getting around that issue is anthropomorphic animals. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because like, we don't have to. We don't have to worry about hiring a, um, you know, um, sensitivity coach or anything. We can just say, you know what, birds. Well, and I, I think you know that's a more modern uh, version of the conversation, and yes. it's a very important one. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Oh trying, yeah, yeah. I'm not no, trying absolutely. To belittle that in any way, shape, or form. I think it also. Uh, and maybe this is a variation on the same thing. It also makes it easier to localize for other markets. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oh, that's a, true. Cow, yeah. a cow is accessible pretty much around the world. Yes. You know, and I think that that's a big part of that as well, because um, translating these games into markets, because it is a worldwide hobby. It's not just mm-hmm. uh, a hobby that exists here. And we've, we've talked about some of those things and, and so I think it's 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 good, and plus I think it also helps the the overall theme in the sense that it takes you out of you know what is a game to do? It's it's designed to let you have some fun, but it's also allowed designed to kind of take you someplace else. Yes, in some instances, well, and I think it does that really well. And I think to sort of expand on the localization question, I mean, as these games move out into the world, and it's not just. Uh, you know, middle-aged, upper-middle-class white people who are playing them. Um, you know, the reason that Puerto Rico started getting this uh, bunch of kickback was a uh, pushback was a man from Puerto Rico who's like, you know what, this is not good. Um, <laughs> the Mombasa game, people were saying, no, this is this is terrible. You have yeah. to think about you know the people who actually lived these historical moments, and you have to treat them with respect and the history with some respect. And if you're you know, sitting in a, I don't know, um, a, mm, an industrial park in uh, Holland, and you're thinking, oh, you know, we could just put it somewhere in the Middle West. It'll be fine. We don't have to worry about you know, native or indigenous people. We'll just put, you know, whatever, mash things together. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be great. Um, and then it gets to those people, and they say, "What the fuck, man?" Um, so, and and I, but I. So, yes, I think these are all tied together, right? One of these is, you know, if you're going to play, if you're going to put out Perch, you don't have to worry about, you know, do we need to put the local birds from Southeast Asia in there? Eh, I think, you know, people will be fine. Birds. We know birds. It'll be good. Um, so I, but it's interesting to watch all of this kind of work through all at the same time. So many of these um, sort of themes showing up at the same time. It's interesting to, to notice. Well, and I think it does something else, too. Um, is it, it, it creates a platform for the artists, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the importance of art, um, oh, yeah. you know, and, and we, we see a lot of, you know, there, there's the whole, on the one side, there's the debate of, you know, is this accessible to everybody from a cultural point of view and does it represent the history correctly, et cetera. And we, we, we can talk about that. Um, and then there's also this idea of AI art and AI and its impact on all kinds of creative mechanisms. And, you know, we, we've already seen examples where you can go to AI and say, create me a game. Yep. And it'll do it. It'll do it within limitations, of course, but it'll do it. And right. I think that, you know, there's, there's all kinds of uh, AI art out there that is becoming problematic Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, I heard recently that even um, Getty has come out with their own AI. Wow. That is um, very, it's, it's, it's evidently carved out very uh, specifically and it only looks at their database. But then there's this movement of some photographers that are like, I'm going to pull my stuff off of Getty if that's the case. Yeah. You know? I have friends who are authors and... Yeah. They're having the same, yeah. 
So it's a challenge. And, um, you know, I, I, in my professional world outside of gaming, I, I'm involved in technology and we talk a lot about AI. And I'm hearing a lot of conversation around uh, organizations that want to use the AI, but they want to contain it. They want to isolate it so that it's they, it's only feeding back off of the data that they're being, that it's given as opposed to mm-hmm. scraping the world. Um, because you've already seen companies like Samsung have their intellectual property accidentally let loose in the wild because somebody used a, a public uh, AI in that way. And oh, wow. People are trying to avoid that. Sure but also harness the things that it can do. It's like anything else. It's like, you've got a, it's like AI can be like a hammer. You've got this wonderful tool that can help you build something, but you can also smash a window with it. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's all about sorting that out, but, but hopefully as we see things like the writer strike has ended and they have mm-hmm. made some appropriate, um, I wouldn't say concessions around AI. They've, they've set some uh, uh, guidelines around it of disclosure. Right. And I think that that's going to drive, I'm going to, I'm, I'm know we're getting deep in the weeds off topic of a game, but I think it is on topic of the game because I think we're going to see more of that as people try to think, how quickly can I get a game to market? Yep. I think that's right. And if I don't have to pay an artist, I mean, we, we talked about with, with Dan last time Yeah. when we asked him about the, the art on his cards is like, I went into the public domain and I found photographs ish from the era that mm-hmm. I could use at no charge because they're in the public domain. And that was a creative way to do it. And we know uh, one of the things that Frick's Games is doing with their new uh, uh, Kickstarter expansions for uh, Terraforming Mars is paying artists uh, for a set of things and then using their own AI on that art to generate cards to do other things. So I think, uh, and the artists, I think, think from what I could see around the conversation knew what was going on signed off on it got paid but then Fricks was like yeah but this is going to give us a library of material that we can then use in a bunch of different ways and that feels kind of like what you would do uh, in the days before AI as well say hey here's a you know here's a bunch of canvases or digital canvases and you can cut it and rearrange it however you like um, I mean, once I signed the rights over to you and there's like, yeah, we're doing the same thing. It's just with this new tool. So, and I, and I think if, if, as long as your people are acknowledging it and people are getting paid for their work and mm-hmm. they're, and if they're licensing it over or they're signing it over and, 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 and all that, and they're being paid for that, that's totally fine. That's an individual's right. choice. And so again, I don't want to get, you know, too far down the, the rabbit hole. But we got back I, into games, man. So we, we did. did well. We did. But, <laughs> but, but I would contrast that too. I mean, I, I made a comment earlier about the, the fan art oh, that, yeah. that uh, Stonemeyer Games has produced for Wingspan. And yeah. I think that that's wonderful because, you know, one of the wonderful things about this hobby in general, and this is also true when you get into the tabletop games like, or the role-playing games, mm-hmm. is the amount of fan art Mm-hmm. that is out there. Uh, yes. You look at, I mean, I love one of my favorite things about the critical role uh, organization is that, um, you know, they actually spend time curating the art that their fans make and they will put it out there during the break of the show when it's live on the live stream. Oh, that's and they awesome. have music that plays and they're showing the art of the fans and they're really honoring the work that they did. Uh, because it's an homage and, and you look around and there's that, that fan art is, you know, everybody, everything has some fan art. Sure. And, yeah. um, and I think that but, the, I love that. And you build an audience with that, um, acknowledgement of it and embrace. I think that's just so smart. Yeah. So I think that the way, you know, Jamie and them thought about that, um, to bring mm-hmm. that forth, I think is very creative. Um, not sure that I need it. Cause I really like the work <laughs> of the original <laughs> artist. <laughs> Only, be, but that's you know it's a time and place kind of thing, sure. You know, yep. um, so anyway, back on topic. Um, sure. You have the, the last have one that I've got here. Now. Looking at uh, Kickstarter stuff, and I think this is probably closed by now. But uh, Stan Lee's Genesis just looked like this amazing hagiography of Stan Lee. It's like, well, speaking of uh, people with sometimes problematic histories and uh, also a bunch of influence. So, but yeah, I just. But it's Stan Lee's Genesis. Celebrate his genius. I'm like, oh man. Well, so, he he yeah. was a genius. I've you know, unfortunately, I've always been a more of a DC person than a Marvel person. 
Um, that's hence the shirt I'm wearing. Those are yeah, 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 Batman yeah. shirts. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I I certainly appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. Well, uh, um, I did. I was able to pick up a couple of new games. Uh, I see these look adorable and thematic. Haven't broken them out yet because we're now officially at October first, and now is the time. Okay. Uh, we talked about Boop earlier. Well, mm-hmm. I was able to pick up a copy of Boop, <laughs> which is basically the same game with a new skin on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter's, as I mentioned at the beginning of this or earlier, that my daughter's birthday was this weekend, and we always she's a cat person. Ah, okay. And so we are always giving her cat themed games. We gave her all the cats and all those. And um, Crazy Cat Lady is a is a solid little game. Yeah, I think we gave her that as well. Yep. And so uh, I gave her I gave her two copies of Boop, the the original Boop and Boop. And <laughs> then um, then we picked up Miss Silver Carcassonne. Um, yeah, it's been around for about a year or so, and it's, okay. uh, it's it turns Carcassonne into a co op. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of fun. And, uh, when the ghosts appear, there's certain, you can make certain choices that, 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 um, alleviate the ghosts or you can choose to do something else. And, um, my friends, the Kelties, the people that we were playing with at Scythe, the, the game store, mm-hmm. uh, they turned me onto this game and I, um, I think I got it at, uh, miniature market, I think. Okay. Um, I got, I think I got boop and boop and, uh, Kirkuson <laughs> through miniature market. Um, only because I couldn't find anywhere else. Um, so that, those are the two, two newest games, uh, that I have picked up and, um, kind of, kind of in a holding pattern and been, been focused on a yeah. few other, uh, other things at the moment. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, man. Um, well, just a quick, I did, uh, the Fowers games has, uh, paperback and hardback the games. Yep. And they had a 10 year anniversary Kickstarter. So I was like, yay. And they had a new game coming up with typewriter, which is a portable little play this at your, you know, small enough to pack around and play on a smaller tabletop at a restaurant yep. kind of thing. Yep. I actually but backed I said, that. I backed that. Yay. Cool. And they you. send out a little pardon because of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so they sent out a little update that said, hey, we're uh, doing a final edit on these rules. Anybody want to, like, help us out and put some eyes on these things? And I said, sure. That's so awesome. I spent a couple of days uh, doing some sort of doing a little uh, copy editing and asking questions about the layout and some sort of stuff. And and got some nice notes back from the from Sky, who's the guy who's uh, their sort of production manager over there. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, so it was kind of fun to like dig into this, look at the rules. I think Typewriter is going to be a super fun game. Uh, paperback is going to come with a bunch of different um, modes to play it and just some really great stuff. I think it's going to be a super great product. So I'm looking forward to when those fulfill. But it was also just kind of fun to see, oh, yeah, here's their PDF and I get to play around with it. Yeah, it's neat when you can do stuff like that. I actually did uh, some beta testing uh, for D&D Beyond before Wizards of the Coast bought it. Um, ah, cool. Yeah, Adam Bradford had put out a beta program and was looking for some help on the um, the iPhone app. Ah. And uh, because I had done some iPhone app development, I said, sure. And Very so cool. uh, that was kind of fun. And I, I offered them some feedback. And I think I even identified a little bit of a an opportunity to fix something. We won't call it a bug. I think it was just more <laughs> of a workflow kind of thing. But, yeah, it's always fun when you can collaborate that way and, and be yeah. part of the crowdsource that, that helps – help certain things. Yeah. I see. I saw that, that, that request out and uh, I didn't even think about it that you might respond to that. So that's awesome. That, that, it is right that, in the middle that, of my skill set. I was going to say, uh, yeah, that, 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 uh, that's on brand for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not doing any iPhone dev, but I'm, but I, I can do some, uh, and I know enough about, I know enough about games to actually offer useful feedback too, right. Instead yeah, of no, just 100%. like, here's a, you need another pair, you know, need another comma here or whatever. So, well, I did. I did actually back one other thing that I did not ah. mention. Um, I backed Max Darth Black Paint, oh, the deepest okay. black pigment for enthusiasts. Um, my buddy Chris Keener, friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, composer of our music at the beginning and the end. Fantastic, thank you. Uh, sent it to me as. Um, 
I don't know if he sent it to me as a joke or he really wanted me to check it out. Um, I did. What's it? It's called Max. Yeah, I'll I'll put it in the uh, the show notes, but I'll also uh, I'll put it in the chat between you and I right now on the Zoomer, ah, yes. so you can see it or not see it or not see it as the case is. Yeah, there we go. Got it. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, uh, I can't even remember what I backed. I, I mean, I do, I didn't, get, I didn't get the full blown thing, but I did get the paint and a couple of their other, um, add ons, their other paint colors. Uh, cause I just, nice. I thought they were kind of interesting paint, um, opportunities it's from green stuff world. It's, a. I think they're in, they're either in Spain or Portugal, um, and, okay. they, and they had some other things that you could get through the Kickstarter that I was like, oh, I really don't want all that stuff because I, you know, they have some similar <laughs> things to what Game Envy had put out that I'm like, well, I already got that. I don't need another version of that. Um, but they did have a couple of things that I thought were interesting that I was able to just go ahead and get from their store okay. without having to do the Kickstarter. Right. Um, but I, so I just focused on paints uh, for the Kickstarter. Which that was, um, you know, it was less expensive, and uh, but I just thought the way that their paint uh, works with certain types of effects, um, mm-hmm. that that could be interesting. With some of the things that I'm hoping to do. So anyway, just uh, yeah, just more of a uh, of a creative thing. Uh, I thought was pretty cool. So that um, looks awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I did back that. Um, but yeah. Cool. So uh, just the last thing I've got here oh, is yeah, the. Sure. Uh, First game night of the semester, first game day, I guess, because it's 8.30 in the morning. Ah, uh, yes. And I got my students. And so it's, it's a 50-minute class, so I do a very tiny little bit at the beginning of class, and we've got, like, maybe 40 minutes to play. So it has to be very short games. So I have them playing pairs, which is kind of a blackjack variant where you're trying not to get a pair. If you do, you take those for points, to, and then there's a first loser, and everybody else wins. Uh, Similo is a cute series of games that are kind of like a stripped down version of code names where you've got a display of animals or um, mythical people or different kinds of things. And you're trying to give silent clues to the players and they are trying to find the card. Uh, so it's a kind of co-op there. Timeline, a classic. You can find it everywhere. You're building a, you know, timeline, sort of a history trivia game. The game it's just um always a good one and then the students just love hey that's my fish yep um because it takes about a minute and a half to teach and then they get very very cutthroat it's hilarious to watch that's awesome that's you know i I gotta say that's always one of my favorite things about the podcast is when you talk about uh uh the game day in the classroom and i think that's just sort of fun um, fun kind of thing. And it's, it's, I love, I wish that when we were in school that, um, we had something similar. I mean, obviously we had interim yeah. at Wofford that I, would have been a platform for that. In fact, I, I understand that they've actually done an interim around D and D that's cool uh, recently, like in the last five years. That's awesome. Uh, which, which is, we really, have a, which yeah. is awesome, but is a bummer because I would love to take a month and just go down there and do that at my alma mater. But, uh, Somebody yeah, so uh, Furman has Mayex, which is very similar, just three yeah. to four weeks of uh, just one class a day. And my Mayex proposal went through, so I will be spending the month of May reading about and playing tabletop games. So Love it. Yes. So it sounds like a yes. good opportunity to employ uh, Megan Connell. Yep, and <laughs> uh, buy a bunch of games for the class. That too. Mm-hmm. At the university's and expense. That's that's what we're hoping for. Uh, but also just play games for two or three hours a day, every day in May. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's very cool. I'm yeah. a little envious. Life goals, man. You know, <laughs> and you get paid for it. Yeah. It's private school. So I can't, I can't complain to the South Carolina taxpayers. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. that's awesome. Well, and if you think about it, I mean, you know, part of the thing I, you know, college is teaching people life skills and yep. uh, board games is serves a lot of different purposes in that regard. Number one, it teaches mm-hmm. us how to decompress and chill. Yes. It teaches us how to interact with one another in an environment that is not like, can I get fired for this? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, and so I think it's and it teaches us how to have fun. You know, and we'll and, talk about a bunch of those things. We'll talk about mental health yeah. and um, how you can 
interact with other people, the importance of doing that, how games can facilitate this, all of these things. We have a lot of, and even the question of what is a game, uh, are do games participate in some larger cultural stuff? Can we think of them as art? All these kinds of fun questions too, as well as playing a bunch of games and saying, do these work for that? Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, um, that's all I have for, for me this week. Um, now we got a lot going on in October. It'll be a, a busy, busy month and oh, hopefully yeah. we can get a bunch of, I'm hoping to get some October themed games out there. Not only the ones that I've mentioned in terms of boop and carcassonne, but this is also a good time to, to pull out legend of sleepy hollow oh, and yeah. blood on the clock tower and haunted horrified. Mansion yep. and horrified all of those. So I'm sure that those are going to get some play, uh, this month. But as usual, you can find us at layitonthetable.show where you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. If one of those just happens to be Apple Podcasts, we invite you to leave us a review and maybe give us a couple of stars along the way. That would be great. Uh, Tell us what we are getting right. Tell us what we're getting wrong. Tell us what you like about this. I mean, you know, the podcast industry is getting very niche, niche, whatever we want to call that. Um, and so, you know, obviously we like to know what people are thinking out there. Uh, you can also find us at board game geek, uh, both as a guild, as well as episodes of the podcast. And then finally, uh, episodes, the video aspect of this episode does show up, uh, every time on YouTube and you can find us on the geek and Southern YouTube channel. Woo-hoo. As usual, I am Joe Mahaffey. I am not bored. I am board gaming. And I am James Engelhardt, hoping that all your tiebreakers break your way. See you next time. One, two, three, four.